What up, guys and gals, dudes and dudettes? It's your boy Rick here, the host of the No Soliciting Experience. I just want to ask you guys a huge favor before we get into today's podcast is if you guys find value, if there's something that you learned, if there's something that you can apply today, I just ask that you share it with friends, coworkers, managers, owners, whatever it may be. If you find value in today's episode, just share it on your social media. Tag me, as you know, most active on social on social media through Instagram at um, No Soliciting Bra. So yeah, let's uh, get into it. Cue the music and get on to today's episode. Hey, like I ain't on one, two, three, pop. Like I ain't finna bust when my homeboy make the fucking beat drop Bustin' the cap and the whack when I'm rappin' You really need to trust in the fact that I'm back and I'm slapping the industry for duckin' the cap when he rap with the passion When I'm in this piece of crushing the fashion Like I ain't never ate in this game Like I ain't never seen her have me some big things Like I ain't been around the world and with so many different girls and kinky parties That it could lift the spirit of Rick James Like I ain't a fixture, I never knew Twister I never did music for the alpha dog picture Like I never scripted, a pledge in the scripture I had a hit song by my own liquor mixture Do it like I wasn't a starter, that wasn't a carter Wheezy! Wasn't it art of my cousin the water? Feezy! Nothing was bought up but busting and touching the heart of people that's loving the heart of stuff. Gals, welcome back to the No Soliciting Experience. I'm super excited for today's guest, somebody who I've been trying to get on for a little bit. Um, big fan of what he's been doing. Met him a few times. We were just at an event a few months ago here in Florida. Um, he is the owner of Spartan Solar. Without further ado, let's bring on Alex Smith. Alex, brother, thank you so much for being on, man. Um, do you mind introducing yourself a little bit more to the people just kind of letting us know um how long you've been in the industry and what 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 you're currently doing sweet man thanks for having me rick it's been it's been fun getting to know you through these random little events that's the good it's why it's always good to go to these events you don't know who you're gonna meet um but yeah i've been in the solar and alex smith been in the solar industry for five almost five years now almost five years now started in california now i'm currently in florida sweet man so you started in california five years ago Walk us a little bit through like your, your development, because if I imagine most of the people listening to this more than likely follow you and everyone's seeing what you're doing right now, it's like, dude, like he's up here, right? He's at a different level. Um, walk us through a little bit of your development as surface level as, as, as you as like, as surface level as you'd like, or as in depth as, you, as you'd like yeah. about your first year till now. Okay. So first year was like anyone else's first year. It's like, okay, I'm entering hundred percent commission based. This is pretty high risk. I made a good choice. I signed a lease for a year in California. I made a good choice, but it was by default. I had no money at this point. I already used my four grand. I borrowed from my grandma to get out there and ship the car and security deposit. So I'm sure a lot of people in this industry can relate. It's like do or die scenario. And obviously I don't want to go back with failure back to Florida, go back to my family leaving college and like that's what I did is I failed over in California so first first initial week getting out there in the solar industry like like I really just wanted to make sure I gave it everything I had and I ended up day two like I deleted all my social media right before I got there I decided not to drink not to smoke not to go out so my game plan to do it for 90 days that was kind of the theme there too of a 90-day blitz there was just to like really go all in for it um, a theme a lot of us probably can relate to. And second day out there, I was going out. I thought California was always 70 degrees and sunny. It's not. It was like the, the first monsoon winter, like raining sideways. And I didn't have any sweaters. And I got food poisoning day two. I went to breakfast with one of my one of the one of the guys there was the veterans, uh, Andrews and Betty, and got breakfast and food poisoning that night. And I had crippling food poisoning for the next couple of days and pouring rain. But I, I still was like, I cannot be like losing this. I got to, this is not how it's meant to go. It was what I kept thinking. And this was a lot of adversity for me in the beginning, but I ended up pushing through it and going out and I was like throwing up on the side of streets as I was walking around, I was like turning green. Um, and then every single night I'd get back and I'll just be in fetal position, like just trying to just barely recover. And so that's, that was my entrance into it. in that first year, like I grew a lot. I just really got good at sacrificing. I got good quick. Like I went head first into it the first beginning because I cut everything out, all my distractions, all my vices. And so in three, four months, I was a manager and then continued to work my way up pretty quickly. And 
built the office to doing like over over 100 deals a month. And it wasn't a lot of us. It was like 15 to 20 of us or so. So it wasn't a huge office, but we had really high production. And so that was that was the first year um, being on the ground floor, learning a ton. And I guess going through it all, you want to go back to the next couple of years? Yeah, sure. But what, before that, dude, I, I remember that monsoon. That was 2016. I had yeah. videos. It was like winter of 2016. Yeah, January. Dude, yeah, dude, it was January. Dude, I remember I had videos out knocking. And, dude, it was so miserable. I can't imagine, like, having food poisoning in the middle of that. That was – It was terrible. It was terrible. <laughs> Hair's, like, plastered to your face every time you mm-hmm. show up at someone's door. And it's, like, my first time door knocking, so you don't know better. And I always look back. I'm like, man, if I got through that stuff, like, you know, every time I look at these guys complaining about some rain. Florida, we get a lot of rain, so it's kind of fair. But now it's it's really just a matter of what is there to complain about. So it's kind of good. It's good to go through a lot of adversity early on, I think, for anyone. Like, I didn't have adversity in the sale. Like, I, got, I was pretty good pretty quick. But eventually, you're going to face adversity one way or another. So for me, it was, it was good to have, like, a, a climate, hard conditions, adversity. And I think for a lot of guys, it's good to have adversity for the first nine, first 30 days, not having a lot of success and pushing through Mm. is much better than having success right off the gate than experiencing adversity. Cause at that point, most people are like, not, not ready for it. And they have a big problem. That's true. That is true. So yeah, that was your first year. And then, yeah, walk us a little bit about after that first year until where you're at right now. So after the first year continued, um, continue to develop and grow. And uh, then at this point in time, things got like started to get difficult for me in other areas of my life. And I don't really share it with, with many people. I think I've like, shared it before, but my, my cousin passed away, like him and his girlfriend, both, they, they fell off a mountain. So it was a very freak accident. He was three years older than me. He was my best friend. You know, I was trying to get him into the industry. So he was over in Colorado. Um, so that was like a crazy thing to happen because that was my first like real experience with, with death, like in a family. Um, someone that was like so close to me that you always think is going to be around to answer your call, talk shit to, like have your wedding. And it was just gone. And so like that started making me question what I was doing that second year. Started to really question what's the point of it. But I was able to keep pushing forward. I had a little bit of a lapse, obviously. I'm like, you know, how to start rethinking um, my priorities but then was able to keep pushing forward and ended up moving to a regional manager role, which is just essentially a little pay increase. But back then we were getting paid $4 a panel and overrides. I was getting paid $72 and 50 cents per panel and average panel size or our system size in California was 20 panels. So making a lot less money per job. Like it's crazy thinking like what I used to work so hard for. And now it's like, everyone's, everyone's kind of spoiled and it's crazy when you feel like you're not working hard because you can make $10,000 in a job in one job. And I was making $1,500 a job there, still making six figures. Like you just had to work way harder for it. Um, but then year, the next year. So that was that whole year I ended up, um, you know, becoming a regional manager. And then a year later, my, my dad passed away. And so he passed away from cancer. And so now this is like kind of when I went through a, a really, really rough time. Cause then as you started questioning everything, he was who I worked hard for. Like I'd be the first person to call when I was, you know, seeing success. I was so excited. Like dad, like you're gonna be able to get whatever you want. Like, not that he's asking for anything, but you know, it was exciting to be able to like say, Hey, like go on Amazon. You want to go get that stupid lawn chair, go get that lawn chair. And uh, I remember you wanted like a $9 lawn chair. I'm like, it's hilarious. I'm like, yes, I can start doing these things for you. I can give you a return on your investment in me and all that time you put to me. And so when, when that was no longer there, um, and then my cousin passed the year before, and then within the next six months, both of my dad's brothers passed away. So it was like this spiral of what is going on in my life. And I went through a deep, 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 deep depression. So I don't ever, this is the first time I've talked about this on any podcast or with anyone at all, but um, I think some people probably go through this stuff too. So I guess it, it, it might be good for, for them to hear other people are going through it as well and like what it was like and ended up um, moving to LA and I was still working with Sungrade Solar as I guess they call it the director of sales, whatever that meant. And um, couldn't get myself to do any work. Like I literally couldn't. I just stayed in bed every single I went there to go help other companies open their solar companies. Kind of like a weird little niche, but that's what I went there for. And I thought that was going to be like a good reboot for me. So I was like back on my own, like starting from scratch. Like, hey, I moved to California from Florida. I saw a ton of success, like changing and getting uncomfortable. Let me go get uncomfortable again. That'll probably make me forget about all this terrible shit that just happened in my life. So I went there thinking that was what was going to happen. And 
I'm all on my own in an Airbnb. I absolutely hate because it just has a window shaker. It's super hot in LA and just one window shaker next to the bed. It's like, you got to sit next to that thing to get AC. And every day they'd be like, you know, I had things I needed to do or people I had to go talk to and I would just blow them off. And every day I'd make another excuse and then I'd make another excuse and then another excuse. And then you just go down this. And then my first time experiencing depression and anxiety, I didn't know those things were real. Um, I didn't know what it was at the time. Now I can reflect and know what it was. And that went on for months, uh, for months where I would just order Uber Eats three times a day to my bed. And I would just, I wouldn't leave my place other than to grab the bag of food. And so that was like a crazy time. Like I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know. And then I also felt like, Hey, I just got into this role. Like I was a, you know, pretty, a very high level in the company. And it was like, kind of like a baby. Cause it was the company was only six months old when I got into it. I'm like, man, I'm throwing away everything I worked so hard for. And even though I, knew, I felt that I was aware of that, like I couldn't, I still couldn't get myself to take the right action or do the right things. And so that continued on for about six months, moved back to the Bay three months later. And then the next three months just ended up picking up Fortnite, good old Fortnite. Uh, yeah, I was just playing that a ton and just, I stopped going to meetings. And so I basically like worked my way down, um, to the bottom and, I think there was also a bunch of things wrong with that company at the time. And there, there was with like pay structure, with just overall meeting structure, everything was not, not going great, but I got to take ownership for what I could. And when I left there in the second year in January, so two years later, so I left that two years later and in January, I was like, what am I going to do? I literally didn't know what I was going to do. I made, here I am, I made, you know, $320,000 or so over two years which isn't a lot of money, but back then it was a lot of money for me. And I have negative $10,000 in my bank account. So let, I don't think I've told anyone this publicly because it's like embarrassing, right? Like you make a lot of money, you don't talk about losing it. And it wasn't like I lost it. I just had to deal with the tax man. I had to deal with, okay, I went on a lot of vacations. I lived a little bit, little bit too like lavish on these vacations. I spent money a little bit too freely. And so now I'm 10 grand in debt on my credit card, I have to call to get another credit card to continue to sustain like just living and getting super stressed. My lease is about to end with my Honda and I'm like, oh crap, I need to get another car. And so I go to the Walnut Creek Honda Accord place where that is. I get, a, I get another Honda Accord to lease it. And you know, first they're trying to deny me because my credit's bad because I have so much on my credit cards. And I'm like, I'm about to not have a car and no money and no, no place to work. And I'm like, shit just got really bad. Like, and everything else that just happened in my life, I'm like, oh my gosh, like, what is, well, this is not me. And so luckily they ended up approving me because I already had a past relationship with them. I didn't miss any payments on my other Honda. So they gave me the Honda just because of my relationship. And then I started selling just like deals here and there with my uncle because he was in California. I brought him in a while ago and he was doing his own thing with his other company and made enough money to like keep paying the credit card bill basically. Um, and then I joined Coda Energy Group. Um, I finally found I was looking for like a good opportunity. I was looking for what I could view as like a really good opportunity to get in on, um, not just for me, but for my guys back at SunGrid. Because back at that company, like, dude, I, I mean, I, I sold a lot of accounts. Like they knew I worked really hard. Like obviously I had my down, my bad time when I wasn't doing good. But I think they always viewed me as someone that was honest. I had a lot of integrity. Um, so if you carry yourself well for a while, I think that that influence will continue moving forward for you, which is helpful when you go to build something new. And so when I found Code Energy Group, it was like, wow, this is a hundred thousand times better than that other gig. Like every one of my guys can make way more money. Like I can build something much more unique here. And so I went and plugged in there and, you know, I didn't reach out to anyone. They just all started reaching out to me because I was posting about what I was doing. And um, yeah, basically ended up pulling a lot of the guys from that organization. And uh, a lot of guys had a ton of success quickly. And then I had that, that fire was finally relit. So finally that, that moment was when I got out of, um, of that really big despair, depression, anxiety ridden moments for me and pulling those guys there, helping them succeed. I think I sold 32 accounts that first month between my own personal deals and the deals I sold for other guys or closed for other guys. Um, so like everything started moving up and I was like happy again. I finally felt like life in my body again. And I'm like, okay, I have a purpose again. It wasn't really the same as before because I no longer had, you know, my dad to work for, like all these other things that, you know, used to be like the biggest, easiest guiding principles or guiding, um, uh, lights for me. But now I was like, I was good. I was good. I was able to grind. I was able to grow. And, um, that first year at Coda made a lot more money than I ever made before. So I started doubling and tripling my money and the same thing with the next year. 
And so I was like, okay, this thing is like, I'm good at this. I'm good at starting. I realized I could start from zero is what I kind of mm-hmm. recognized there. And at this company, there's like a lot of good leadership. I'm still on really good terms with everyone there. Um, so a lot of good leadership I was able to learn a ton from, which I'm super grateful for along that journey. And when I came to Cal, when I moved to Florida, is that, do you have any, is it, am I going too fast or anything? No, no, dude, you're good. Dude, you're good. So yeah, so that's, uh, and, and mind you this whole time, like one thing like I really picked up was like, it was drinking. I started like drinking a lot more on the weekends and that was something I, I was not going to drink every day, but like, I'll just keep that in the story because it's all part of it. Um, but you know, I would see a lot of success and then I'd go celebrate my success. Right. And then I would, you know, go, I'd go ups and downs, a lot more ups and downs and it sucks going up and down, especially when you're in a leadership role. Like, it, like we know, we all know, we've probably been around a lot of leaders that go up and down in production. They go up and down. Sorry, I was getting a call. They go up and down in production. They go up and down in energy. They're not the same person the next week as they were the first week, whatever it may be. We all run into those leaders. And I was, you know, I was, it keeps calling me. I got to put do not disturb on. One second. All right, cool. And um, so I was kind of in that boat. I'd have a great month. And the next month I wouldn't do as much. And I'd make my, make my excuses or like, you know, just kind of lean on the team more. And so that continued on. And I just thought that was part of the solar coaster, but I didn't really recognize that for me, like drinking was like the biggest part of that. Like that's what I get to see success. And then I'll go celebrate. And then I'd be like really hungover. And then that would last for weeks. Like the depression and anxiety from drinking would last for weeks for me. I don't know why, but it just would. So I always knew something I just needed to quit and stop, but I just didn't do it because you always think it's, it's not, a, it's like not a big deal. I'm like, I'm still making a lot of money, still seeing a lot of success, but there's a lot of ups and downs. And so the first year, second year, I came here. I came here right in the beginning of the pandemic in Orlando. Some guys got furloughed from the timeshare industry. I was like, I'm going to pick these dudes up and build an office here. Another new challenge, right? Like it sounded fun. Like, like yes, I like getting uncomfortable. I like mm-hmm. now I know I thrive in these situations. Like I like I like starting from. I already started from zero once. I could do it again, and now I'm going to do it again. And starting from zero here, started building it out. Um, didn't see a ton of success. Um, I, I wasn't like all in it. I think like I was only supposed to be here for three days to train these guys. And then I stayed a yeah. week and then I stayed two weeks and then I could go to the gym and stuff again. Like I could do that, like yeah. go to the gym and go to restaurants. I'm like, screw California. Those losers can keep wearing masks. Like it's, <laughs> it's not like that over here. I'm good. dude. I'm good. So I literally, and to this day, I've never gone back to my house where all my furniture and everything is and was. So like, I, I literally never went back. Uh, yeah. I just, I was like, I'm anchoring down, told the company and, um, continue to work with them for a while. I was pretty disenchanted with the organization after a good amount of time over here. Cause a lot of the value they offered me over there didn't extend over here so much. And I just, I didn't feel like it was the best opportunity for my guys. And like, that's like my, always been my guiding principles. Like if, if I can't help other people get what they want, like I need to get out of there. And so mm-hmm. at, at Sungrade, that was, that, that occurred at, at Coda. I felt that same way here. Um, I was like, I'm not offering the best opportunity possible. Like I'm not able to give my guys like everything and anything I want. And when I'm feeling that it's like a gut feeling and you've probably had it before when, you know, your, mm-hmm. your guys are just not getting either paid what they deserve or they're not getting the support or like, it's just not what it's supposed to be. And that's when I made the pivot in March of this year to open my own company, um, Spartan Solar. And again, yeah. Starting from scratch, like once you have those little reference points, like Galgan says, you have the cookie jar, right? You can like lean into it. You've been through some shit before. So you can grab that cookie out. Like, okay, like I've done this in my past. Like I can do it again. So I had those reference points of starting from zero. And I'm like, I've already done this like three times. I've started from scratch with nothing. I could do it again. And the only thing that kind of sucked about this one was that, you know, now I'm losing like four or 500 grand a year on overrides by making this, making this switch by deciding to stay here in Florida. You know, that was kind of like the pill I had to swallow. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that's not even my own personal sales. So, I mean, for, for me, that was a lot. Um, starting back from zero. Cool. Luckily, crypto, I got pretty heavily into Bitcoin. So I, I didn't really have to worry too much this time around. <laughs> I was in a good situation. <laughs> I've been in a good situation financially ever since because of that. Um, so it's, it's always nice to have that to, you know, be smart with your money so you can make bigger plays. I think that's a, a, a thing I've learned. Being smart with your money so you can make bigger plays moving forward and take a little bit more gambles on yourself without stressing is, is very helpful. Um, so now in March, start this organization. There's just a couple of us, me, Matt Lent, 
um, started with him. He's, you know, he's a, he's a co-founder with me. I was like, would I have him on? I brought him to Dakota before and, you know, he kind of followed me with this journey. You always kind of mm-hmm. need some, I think it's, it's helpful to have someone with you. It's, it's good to have someone to like bounce ideas off of and grow. Um, and so I had him start brought in our couple, first couple guys, I think in the beginning of March and yeah, now it's grown quite a bit ever since like now, like, and now it's just like exponentially growing. Like things are really taking place. Like our systems, our processes are getting really dialed in here. And the coolest part for me was in, was it September? September, we did 85 deals. We did about, it was, that's about 900 kilowatts. Yeah. Some sizes over here, that's September, October last month. And I did 14 deals. Like I'm not, I wasn't, I only really sold for like 10 days on this blitz when I was, when I was there. Cause uh, mm-hmm. obviously you have other things you got to do especially when I'm wearing too many hats, like I'm acting as an operator in the business right now. You know what I mean? Like I'm doing all the little things, mm-hmm. learning payroll, learning all these things, uh, marketing, whatever. And which I'm happy I've served this team now. So I don't have to do any of that stuff. <laughs> That's very, very helpful. Um, and so then last month we hit, we did 119 deals and we did one, 1. 1.3 megawatts um, with our team. A lot of the guys are brand new and we have guys making a hundred thousand plus a month. Now we have guys making, you know, $20,000 weekly checks, like, like things are really starting to snowball and people are pouring in from all different companies. Um, I think it's just mostly because of the culture we have, like the energy we have in our office is really hard to beat. Like, I, I'd love to have you here sometime to check it out and see what you, <laughs> yeah, dude. you've explored everywhere. And so, yeah, now, now that's where I'm at today. And I feel like my job is to um, get better at hiring new people. Like I got, got my girlfriend, Sophie here. Um, she moved here from Canada took that, took that jump over here across, across the, you know, I don't know what that's called, the border. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the border. <laughs> across the border. And uh, now she's doing uh, project, project management. And this other guy doing um, operation specialist guy, Kean. So like now I'm starting to like fill in these other roles so I can eventually, um, you know, continue to just start to grow the organization. But that's where I'm at. That was a long story, but that's, that's, that's what, that's how it all went down. Not, not all smooth, not all great. Not, not what everything thinks it is every step of the way. Yeah. And that's, and that's what it is. Like for everyone listening, it's not always smooth. Like as I was listening to you, man, like there's so many things that I relate with. Um, the biggest thing, I mean, and it's common and it's not people it's, it's taught, it's not talked about much, but the actual real anxiety and depression that comes from, you know, doing this job, it's a very emotionally forward job being talking to people and facing rejection and then having some sort of financial compensation linked with how, how you're able to emotionally connect with people. That's what it is. We talk to people, we make emotional connections. Sometimes we don't get paid. You know, sometimes we don't make sales. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Sometimes we don't get paid for, for our smiles. Exactly. And that's, and that's the hard thing, right? Um, but one of the things that I really love, man, and this is one of the things that, is, that I keep seeing is you're, you're people first right? When we were at Key West, you were showing me all the different incentives. And I'm like, dude, this is so freaking dope. How you have so many different incentives for all of your people, right? There was like the Rolex incentive. There was like the custom suit incentive. Um, the coolest one I, it stood out to me was your guys' um, digital notebook. What, which one is it? The Remarkable uh, tablet. Remarkable tablet. That's what got it, I mean. got it right here, dude. I don't go anywhere without it. It's my baby. I love it, dude. And these the, these are things that are con- that are contributing factors to your culture being what it is. And I see it, dude. Like you have people winning the freaking Louis sunglasses. You have people winning the uh, Lululemon packages, dude. Like literally everything. How for you? When did you realize that it was your people first before putting yourself first? I've, I've always felt, I've literally just always felt that way. Like I get so excited. I mean, I think I always, I'm just super excited for other people's success. One, like that's like the most exciting thing in the world for me. So having it this past month where we did 119 deals and I only sold four of them, like that is like super exciting for me. Cause I mean, this, all these, that means it's just not me winning. I'm not the one selling half the accounts in the company. Cause we all know those companies where there's two people selling 60% or 70% of the whole company's volume. It's like sick. Did you have some centers getting rich? And like, you know, you're getting rich and that's great. Like you're helping a lot of people, but dude, I want, how can I get everyone to win at a high level? Like I want everyone on my team to be a six figure earn. Like I tell that to everyone from the very beginning, it's been my goal to make sure everyone that's in my team, maybe not immediately, 
But after a couple of months, like they're on pace to being a six-figure earner. If they're not, they probably don't belong on my team because I don't want anyone that's not making six figures in my organization. And like to, to side that in with like these incentives or they thought, I'm pretty stupid. Like, <laughs> like I, I put out too much money for some incentives. Like that is like, it is definitely dumb. Like I'm not uh, probably the most fiscally responsible as far as that goes, but I just have so much fun doing it. Like I got a lot of people asking, like I had a couple of people message me um, about the last incentive, which was a 12 day blitz for basically, basically $10,000 incentive for $3,500 of Lululemon, which I, we just did the shopping today, $3,500 cash. Um, and a pair of a pair of Yeezys each, and a um, custom Legends shorts. So I was like, okay, I went a little overboard there. I recognize that now, but it's just so much fun for me. Like I could say, like, yeah, man, I'm, I'm being dumb with my money, but the same token, I love doing that kind of stuff. Like I just really do. Like I don't take a dime out of the company. I never have. Like I'm gonna only be taking money out of the company that I sell personally. Yeah. And so like, that's just like, that's what I want to keep doing though. It's fun growing that way. It's fun giving people like a really unique experience. And I want really cool swag. I want things that are going to make us different. I want people to like feel that too. Like I want people to feel that I'm trying to invest in um, them. Like uh, we're taking eight guys, to, I'm taking eight guys to Peru on the Peru trip. So that'd be really there cool. Too. That was the last blitz competition. So I don't know um, whether they see it or feel it or not on the team, like, that's just, that's what makes me happy. Like, I love doing that stuff. If I can keep doing that stuff forever, giving people shit like that they earn um, and having a lot of fun with that, like I'll be, I'll be happy for a long time. I love that. One of the things that you mentioned that stands out is you've had people come in from different companies, different organizations. What do you think that, what do you think's made your culture different? Like, what do you instill in your guys that, maybe like one or two key points of what makes them like a high six figure earner. I'll, I'll to- start off with something that probably wouldn't expect to be the answer, but I think it's like our level of talent in the organization today. So um, we have a, like I would consider us like having probably one of the high, most highly talented organizations in the industry. Like if you walk into our office and you hear these closers close, like we have Julian, Zach, Donovan, Matt, like, all these guys, these new guys like Mo, um, like all these new guys coming in swinging and they come in swinging like they're they're so good. Like I listen to them and and, and the way they talk, their, their word tracks, everything else. I'm like, dude, you guys are freaking rock stars. And the same thing with the setters. I'm like, these, like these guys, the way they set appointments and the way they ask questions and the way they they move the needle, like they're just really good. And so I think we have a highly trained organization. And that's been from that that came from investing a lot of time in a couple guys, right? In the beginning, like very upfront, heavy investment of time. And now these guys are so well trained up that any of the leaders I just mentioned a second ago, like they they are spreading that knowledge to other people. And then one system we have in place that I think has been really effective for us is when I when I bring in people or someone else brings in people, like you know, you have to we have to assign them to a mentor. So they're getting assigned to a person that's a high caliber, high closing producer, like a high six figure earner, essentially. Um, you know, there's, there's standards and minimums and everyone any company can make them what they want to be. But when they get this mentor, it's like this person um, is your guy and you're going to get a return on energy because he's going to be setting appointments for you. But your job is to take care of this guy and make sure that he sees a lot of success and he sees success quickly. Um, so that's going to be you showing them hard work, that work ethic, you taking them from the start of the presentation on the doors to the end. Um, and then eventually like you're going to be training on the clothes too. And so now people just have a lot of designated people they can go to. So for me, it's not like I have to handle anything. When I bring in people, I'm just like, and you know, I'm like, all right, like I already gave you one guy. I'm going to give you a guy. Like you're the mentor for this guy. And so there's just a good system around now these highly trained people are assigned people to train and then they can assign other guys under their umbrella to train them. So I think right now people are just able to like really feel that they can build an organization within my organization. And it's like, dude, you can build your own business within it. I tell them it all the time. Like you don't even have to go to me to recruit or onboard anyone. I have an onboarding form. I I don't think you're going to bring someone in. That's going to be a waste of your time. Like I trust you. And I want everyone to know that I trust them. And if you want to bring someone in, like, dude, like I could probably say, I might say no to that person. Like if I, if I interview them or talk to them on the phone, I might very well say no, but if you want to, if you, if, if you believe in them and you think it's going to be a good return on energy and you're going to invest that energy into them, then by all means, bring them in. And if they don't hit our minimums or our standards, like they won't be here for long, but um, that, that, those systems and some of those things in place kind of allow, is allowing it to just like be a machine now. 
Yeah, that's true. I like that because you're building you're, you're building overall leadership within your organization. And ultimately, that serves the higher purpose when you're having to wear so many hats. Yeah. It teaches your guys to step up to one day to be at, be at your level. And it's fun, right? Like who doesn't like stepping up? And, and the thing is, like, whether they're paid with a position, with money, whatever they're paid with, like, I think the big thing, too, is like that they're becoming better. And people becoming better, getting recognition is like one of the most important things that any individual as a human wants. And like, if I can show them a way to keep becoming better, and a lot of that's from from taking other people from being a novice to being an experienced veteran, like that's becoming better. If you can do it to someone else, like that's you feel good about yourself because you're like, that's my deal. I did that. I just duplicated. And so mm-hmm. I can empower more people to get that feeling. They get a, you get people addicted to that feeling of like. Dude, like I, I, I create sharpshooters, you know, whatever you want to call it. Like I create these kind of people. If they're with me, like they're going to become this. And like, you've probably seen the posts from different people, like, like Donovan online or soy or um, um, join online. Like, you know, all these guys reaching, all these guys reaching a ton of success and seeing that success mm-hmm. and, you know, they share it online. Um, like you get addicted to that because now you want to keep doing it. And because they're the they're the guys that's mentoring them, they get a good return of their energy too. Because they're setting most of their appointments for them until they become closers. So it's like everyone's everyone's winning. Everyone's winning. Yeah, and it's I think that's something that's super pivotal. <clears throat> sorry, super crucial is having one setter set for a specific closer, right? If I ever go back to setting personally, I love setting because I know that I can go out and I can set deals for specific closers. And I've done it to where I've set four appointments at the exact same time and all four, all four of them close. Dude, that's, that's crazy. I, you hear that? You hear I, that, Sanders, man? That's, you, can, you can make your time, like you can double your time up. Like you, you I can. can. You could make more money than anyone else if you do it right. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's one of the harder lessons that, um, let, you know, let's, let's touch on it. I'll expand on it. Is sometimes this, this is a hard pill to swallow for a lot of people, but sometimes being a closer isn't always the best financial decision for you. Sometimes if you can make more money setting, I love setting because I know the closer and I know their clothes and I know what they're going to say. So if I can, in my initial presentation, peak curiosity and place little tidbits of what I know the closer is going to say in the close, it's by repetition that people finally understand. So if I can inception or instill an idea and then mm-hmm. later in the close, they're like, well, Rick said that. And there's the aha moment. McCarthy talks about the aha moment. So if you can place specific phrases from the close in the initial presentation, that customer is going to have the aha moment. And now you can create a higher percentage close. Yes. Cause you're just connecting the dots. It's like, Mm -hmm. okay, planted a seed. That seed just sprouted when it's said again. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. That is how this is. Exactly. Like that's, you know, that subject you just brought up has been like a hot, hot topic for me lately. Like thinking about it because you're right. Like some people and, and I think it's where the industry is wired right now. It's like, if you're not a closer, like it's like, mm-hmm. you know, and I think, a lot, I think a lot of companies from what I've heard, like do make it seem like the setters are not like they, they pay them really poorly. Like they pay them like mm-hmm. a, a small amount up front, which is usually their golden handcuffs to keep them setting forever. Like mm-hmm. we've had a lot of guys come from other companies that have been setting for a year and they're still making, you know, like hundred dollars a kilowatt or $250 or $600, like some really low numbers. And so they come to our organization and I, I completely agree. It's like people, people want to become closers and I think everyone wants to become better. The one thing we just added to our list is like, we got a super set or a master set our role now. And so now yep. it's like, Hey, once you hit our minimums to become a closer, like dude, you can go that route, you can become a closer and by all means, if that's what you're destined to do, do it. Um, or you can, you can take a higher percentage you can take a higher percentage of every close because now you're you've evolved, right? Now you're what we consider a master setter. You're really good at what you do, and you can have, like you just pointed out, four people in your appointments at the same time and get paid on four deals as you're setting more appointments. And so we've had a couple guys like in this brand new role we dropped because this exact reason. It's like I don't like now I put all the attention on the setters. They're the lifeblood of the company. They're like the you know the most one of the most valuable assets like having a closer close at a high percentage is super important so the setters get the you know get the results you know money back in their pocket for their work but what they're doing is truly creating you know deals out of thin air and so like we put a lot of i put a like i feel like a lot of my energy and time focusing on how well the setters are doing even even more so in some cases than the closers because like i think they're undervalued and i think that's what makes feel like they don't want to become a they want they don't want to they don't want to stay there i'm like Dude, like, 
like you, for example, whoever you are, like right now, like, hey, you're dude, master setter. You can probably set 10 deals that close this month because you're good at this already. And you're going to get a higher rip on every one of these deals. Like we have this guy, Bryn Floyd, the solar salmon. Shout mm-hmm. out to Bryn. I hope you hear this one. Um, but yeah, he, he, he came up to me. He's like, dude, I want to be a, I want to be a master setter this next month. Like, I think I'll make the most money. I was just like, dude, I respect that you are self-aware. And same as guy, mm-hmm. Matt, Sun, you guys are self-aware. Like some people, they're not self-aware. They think they can be a closer and then they go into 20 sits and they close two deals and they're leaving money on the table for everyone. And that's painful. That's going to the yep. valley of death right there. That's the valley of darkness when you go through that many deals out of close. Like that's painful. And now we have this role and people are starting to actually grab onto it. So I'm excited to see what happens. But like this, this subject you just brought up, I think it's something on a lot of people's minds probably. Oh yeah, dude, the biggest thing, and I've, I've been seeing this in starting with a few organizations, but it's the, I think the setters, like you said, are definitely undervalued and uh, the setters again, are the ones who create the business. They are the ones who peak curiosity because closers in a sense, sometimes even I, as a closer, dude, I, I get lazy. Do I want to go self-gen my own deal sometimes? No, yeah. I can, I can, we can, but how many times do we actually do it? you know yeah. <laughs> yeah it is so true it's like yeah it's like I, I mean when you have when you have a bunch of guys setting for you at a high clip like your time is truly more valuable in the close mm-hmm. like that's that's where it lies but you do have to stay sharp on the doors like staying mm-hmm. sharp on the doors makes you much sharper in the close like there's no doubt about it um so it's da- it's dangerous trying to be fully dependent on sets in case they stop coming because then it's hard mm-hmm. to get back going but yeah like- yeah. Dude, that's yeah, it's crazy. So if you're a setter, it doesn't mean that you have to go be a closer. Just go make more money setting. The like my best day ever. Um, I had it like it was that day. I was in Vegas and I had set four appointments for the same time. I, I wasn't even working, I was in Vegas partying. And that day, off of all the commissions, I think I made like 23 grand. Holy crap. That's crazy. And I was, chill- and I was just chilling, dude. I was I was in Vegas partying. I was being reckless. I'm like, next round's on me. And I'm, but again, it just goes to show and it and it's being aware, like fully aware. Just like how, like now I imagine you're aware of what triggers your anxiety, what triggers your your depression. You have yeah. to be aware of what's truly where your time is better spent. Mm-hmm. Where you get the best return for your time. Because ultimately, time is the biggest investment that we have as people. 100 percent And like $23,000 a day and you're not even in the appointments is crazy. Like most of us in, the, in this business, like you, you, first of all, you want to become better, right? Like you want to become better as a human being inside and out. And I think that's one of the like truly most amazing things about door to door. It gives you a chance to rise into leadership very quickly and learn skill sets that like you might take, you know, 10, 15, 20 years to climb the corporate ladder or whatever, maybe to feel that need and to be given those responsibilities. But besides that, like this is a capital generating machine, right? Like this is like a, a weird place where we can make a lot of money in a short period of time. And for anyone that like thinks it's more important to hold a position or a title or, you know, X, Y, Z over making capital, it's like, that's, that's pretty stupid. Mm-hmm. Like you, you want, like we have, we have so many random things working right now, like in the background, like crypto, like NFTs, which I haven't even got them, but crypto, um, you know, there's the big real estate plays are going to be made. Like so many things that are like ready, like in these next couple of years, I really do feel like if you have a lot of capital ready to deploy, um, you could take, you, you can be able to take action on something that pops your, pops up your way. And to put yourself in a position where you don't have access to that kind of capital because you wanted to have a position or a title is like, is pretty stupid. Um, Cause I think like these next couple of years, next three years is going to be the time where you make a ton of money and you make some really smart plays. Oh yeah. Big time. And one of the things that I really respect about you, Alex, is the fact that you continuously invest in yourself. Aside from like investing time and money, because these incentives cost money for your guys, but you're looking to invest more in yourself to be a better leader, right? With the Knockstar stuff, dude, like having Taylor come out. And now with these calls that you just did with like Jeff, like when, when did you learn the importance of investing in yourself? I, I learned the importance of investing myself early on as far as in like getting books, like getting books right at the beginning of knocking doors, be obsessed to be average by Grant Cardone is the first book I read. I read that every single morning at 5am when my pool float deflated because I was on the ground. That's what I was sleeping on. And so we had no furniture in the house. And so when deflated, I was on the ground 
Now it's time to be obsessed or be average. Mind was right. Okay, let me get out there. So I learned the value of that. Like this one book, like just kept me in a positive mood, even though I was having food poisoning and like throwing up and super sick, like I was able to keep going because of this book. The problem was I never took it too far for a long time. It never really got past books or audibles or podcasts. Like it stayed in that same realm. Um, I think actually podcasts are more valuable in a lot of, in a lot of situations than books because they're like real authentic conversations. Um, like I, I feel the, I feel the, I feel it better and I, I can apply better in a lot of cases. But anyway, so many years I, I just kind of leaned on my leadership at the company as being like who I was going to learn from and grow from. And that's all I needed. And so the first organization, I felt like pretty quickly I was at the top as far as in uh, skill set and everything else. And so I, I really, I really didn't think I need anyone else. And then second, and then the next couple of years, same thing. Next couple of years was the exact same thing. I just was looking at my leadership. I learned a ton from them. I learned a lot of, a lot of great things, especially from Code Energy. Like, I learned a lot from these guys. But again, I, no one else in the organization was like hiring other coaches, hiring other mentors. It's kind of like, they almost don't, it almost seems like they don't want you to. They don't want you to look for outside help because they think it's a more of a threat to them. I got that kind of feeling and I, st- I stuck doing that. But then when I started my own company, it was like, okay, now I got to really invest in myself. So I wish I would have done it sooner. But then I started doing Knockstar Bootcamp, Knockstar uh, Select, which is pretty expensive. Um, you know, invest with Taylor McCarthy. Um, other coaches I have, like I Doug Hartwright is one of my coaches. Great guy. Like he's coaching me in a different way and deeper is like more spiritual way. And then I have, um, you know, we have Jeff too. Like we got these guys, you got to pay, I pay a lot of money for. And each one of them has led me to another person. I have Seth Granny too. Like Seth Granny's a beast, right? Like having that guy in my corner is like super valuable, right? Like I can, I can lean on someone that's done it at one of the highest clips in the industry, closing deals and um, building a massive organization in a very short period of time. And so it's like, okay, I got a lot of people in my corner now. I can start bouncing ideas off. My job is to hack time. Mm-hmm. My, that's what I view it as. Like, I'm trying to hack time. I'm trying to work these next three years to buy my next 30 years back. Mm-hmm. Right. I want to buy my time back. And as long as I can keep buying my time back by spending money on these people, um, I'm going to go through a lot less valleys of darkness, a lot, a lot less valleys of death. Like, I'm going to grow way faster. And uh, it's fun. It's just way more fun. So it, it wasn't until this year that I really started going heavy in it. And I just wish I would have done it sooner. And so now like the big thing for me with my guys is I'm trying to show them I'm constantly paying to bring people in. I'm constantly showing them like how important it is because I don't want them to think they can get all the answers for me. I think I'm giving them a lot of help and a lot of support, but I think there's a lot of people outside that, you know, could resonate even better with them and give them more information. And they just have to be aware. They just have to be aware that other people are doing an organization, just like going to the gym. Mm-hmm. they see the leaders going to the gym they'll probably start going to the gym just like like i don't drink so a lot, a lot i think a lot less people like are you know they're not drinking as much now in the organization so mm-hmm. like all these little things add up that's true and that's dude that's one of the most powerful signs of leadership that i've seen is when as a leader you can accept that you don't know everything because we come from a time I mean, if you started back in 2016, back then, dude, no one with no one in an other organization would help you. Now, organizations like where existed, like, (laughs) mm -hmm. yep. So now that we have social media, now that we have, you know, this abundance of information, now it's like, dude, you can go learn from the best. And especially right now, how the industry is is working is, dude, people are willing to just help out, right? You have guys like McCarthy, you guys have like Doug Cartwright, huge fan of his work. You got a huge fan of Jeff and everything that, you know, he does. It's all about learning, right? And your people will leave you as soon as they think that they can learn everything from you. But if they see their leader saying, "Hey, dude, I don't know, but let me let, let me bring someone in who bring someone in who does know about this," right? And then you bring them in, your your people learn what they want to learn and they're like, "Cool, I can stay here." And I want to stay here because my leadership understands their limits and they'll bring someone in to bridge that gap. That's all it is. Pain, pain for coaching is bridging the gap of where you want to go and where you're at right now, because there's someone already here. You're buying that you're buying their experience from them. So you can get there a lot faster. That's a good way. I love that. I love that. I love looking at that way. You're just, you're just bridging that gap. That's mm-hmm. truly what it feels like. You're bridging that gap. And I feel like, as I've hired more coaches, I'm getting closer and closer to the source of information. 
Mm-hmm. Like I'm working my way up the chain of information to getting straight to the source. Yep. And that feels good. Like one person leads to another, then leads to another and leads to another. And you're like, next thing you know, you're like, you know, who knows? You, you find one guy that changes your entire life. Cause they, yeah. they say things that make you think differently. That's what it is. They make you rethink the way. And like, sometimes I'm so dead set that I'm right on something. And then they made me feel like an idiot. Like, I'm like, shoot, like the way I handled that was really bad. Like I was completely out of line there. And like, I thought I was right. hundred percent certain I was right, but I'm so open to listening to them because I'm paying for them. Right. I don't mm-hmm. pay some, a ton of thousands, tens of thousands of dollars to be stuck in my mind. Right. Mm-hmm. A lot of people that don't want to invest in people, it's because they don't want to have to think they're not, they think they're wrong. They don't want to, they don't want to give up their beliefs. Mm-hmm. And so now I've gotten really good at giving up my beliefs. I'm like, just super okay with like believing something. I could talk on a podcast a month, two months ago, and I could say something I believed in so wholeheartedly. And I'm okay now, like having a new podcast with you and saying something that completely contradicts what I said before. Because I accept that I'm growing really quickly now. And then my beliefs are going to continuously get challenged as a hire more people that I just believe are higher level thinkers and have been through more than I have. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. Dude, we're just co- constantly evolving. And that's, and that's the beauty of this. I don't know very, I don't know a lot of spaces, a lot of industries that there's this much growth. And it's not just like financial growth, but it's mental growth because and anyone can go out and make money right? But money isn't always the key factor. It's who you become, right? And I, I, think, I think that's the biggest thing that's been a more resonating topic within the industry is who are you becoming? Like, what, what does that person do? Are you a leader? Are you a rep? How do you give back? Who do you, who do you bring up with you? Because dude, for the longest time, everyone, and we, we, we've all heard the phrase, it's lonely at the top. The only reason it's lonely is because you didn't bring anyone with you. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and that's, and that's, that's what it is, bro. You're investing in your people to bring them up with you. It, it does, you know, good to be at the top and watch all your guys struggling, watch everyone else who's helped you get to the top. Like, you know, especially with the holidays, it's like one of the things that I, I, I strive to do is like, dude, I want my people to give their families the best Christmas, the best holidays that they could. Yeah. And it's, it's such an amazing thing if you're able to be a part of that. Like being a small part of that kind of experience for them is, that's everything. Yeah, that's, it's life-changing. Because then what do you do? Again, going back to, it's, it's, it's really an addiction. Now you're like, dude, next year, I'm going to do it better, right? And it's just going to be continuously getting better. That's, that's the resonating topic here is just getting better. Yeah, now, now I think about is like I'm working with these people at how scale and build these systems and keep getting better. And like my machine is not created yet, right? I still believe there's so many things I got to either break and rebuild or fix entirely. Um, and so like my goal by next uh, was October, November is to be doing a thousand deals a month. And like, I firmly believe that's going to happen. Um, like, so I, I just have to figure that out and I need to pay the right people and take enough time to do it and build on, work on the business and have leaders be really focused on the input and working in the business. And, but I need to keep providing them with third party, high level information. I need to continuously do that because if they continue to elevate and, you know, after, after Jeff came into town for a day, like some, some people were just saying like, I've, I mean, it just made me like rethink everything or like, it just changed my life or like this one thing, this person said, like, he answered the questions I've always had for as long as possible, you know, and, and you just bring that credible person that can do that. And, you know, that's, that's like what people get excited about. That makes you feel good. Just that one day of like, I just, my whole mind has changed my perspective on life and perspective on what's possible has been altered. And if we can do that for our people through either ourselves and our own success or other people in the team success or bringing in other people to bring that to them, like then we're doing our job as leaders. Then we're doing our job. Hell yeah, dude. Hell yeah. That's what it's about. Well, Alex, I know you're a busy guy running the organization. Um, if there's, so just to kind of wrap it up, if there's one piece of advice that you would leave the industry, what would that be? One piece of advice. Or two. I gotta, I gotta be pretty selective with this one. I, I would just say there's two guiding principles I live by. Um, take it for what you want, but the first one, and a lot of us have heard it, but I don't know how many people have embodied it, um, is you can have whatever you want in life. As long as you help enough people go what they want in life. 
I think that's one of the most important guiding principles you, you absolutely need to focus on. Greed will get in your way, right? Greed and impatience will destroy wealth, will destroy time, will destroy everything for you. And so if you just understand that if you help enough people get what they want, you can have whatever you want in life, like everything will work for you and you won't be, you won't be working against yourself even if you lose a little bit short term along the way. Um, and the other factor, and it's, it goes along perfectly with what we said, and it's my uh, like two guiding principles. The second one is it's not what you make, it's what you become in the process. So make sure you're challenged. Like make sure you're, 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 you're exiting your comfort zone. You're entering in the fear zone regularly. Then you're learning. That's your piercing to the learning zone where you start to learn and get better and apply the information you get. And then finally you make it over into the growth phase, which is when you start to see the performance. And I just understand like, that's like something you're going to have to go through every day and you can make a lot of money. But if you're not constantly going through that cycle, going through those, those, those phases, then you're not becoming better. And as long as you're becoming better and you're, you're, you're learning, I, I think Jeff was the one who said that is like, your learning has to outpace your earning. Right. So okay. you're learning outpace your earning. So like, those those things have really resonated with you highly. But if 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 those two guiding principles help anyone else, I think it's what's been a, a pivotal to my success lately. Heck yeah, I love that. And where where can people find you on on social media? Alex H Smith. Keep it super simple. Just Alex H Smith. Her Al H stands for Herschel. Just so you guys know, yes, that is my middle name. Yes, it sounds very old school. It's great great grandfather's. But it is Herschel, Alexander Herschel Smith. So Alex H. Smith on Instagram. I think I have a TikTok that Serge created. I have I don't ever, I don't know. But <laughs> so if you want to follow me or reach out to Serge has created a bunch of stuff I've never looked at. So it's kind of nice having someone doing that on the back end. Shout out to you, Serge. Um, and then uh, yeah, that's it. Just that's where I that's where I live. That's where business has grown, dude. That's where that's where it happens, how things happen right there, King. Yep. <laughs> that's where I love that. That's what happens, man. That's, that's, that's how we all get connected. But yeah, with that, guys, thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you guys on the next one. Later. Good seeing you, brother. Like I never knew Mastro's. Like I didn't know Trey was an asshole. Like I didn't have a stash full of cash flow. Rapping like I am back in the past with my afro. Like I never ever knew Strange would put the name Tech 9 in my shoestrings. Like I didn't know I was spitting the butane. And I grew fame with the homie Bobby and 2 chains. Like I ain't rich. Like I ain't so. Not a near record platinum and near gold. Like I ain't drip. Like I ain't froze. Like I ain't made a quarter mil for a show. Like I ain't big. Like I ain't huge. Like I ain't shit. Like I ain't paid dues. Like I ain't full. Like I ain't cool. Like I ain't built an empire in the zoo like I like I ain't